So I've got the uh, uh, privilege of bringing, starting a new series for us today. Uh, we had the opportunity last week to share a little bit of our story for Carmen and I for the last 12 months and uh, what's been going on in our world, which is just a, a couple of things to do with our health and uh, family. Uh, and in that time, uh, probably back in uh, December, I started reading through the, the story of Jacob and uh, through this year, I've kind of kept coming back to it and, and looking at the story. And, and I want to take us through the next few weeks uh, that... Uh, sorry, am I banging a little bit? Is this microphone? Should I switch to handheld? Give him a nod from Ruben. I'll do that. Oh, that's why. Fix it next week. It wasn't in properly. Cool. Handheld. Here we go. Uh, looking at the story of Jacob, and we've got a series called God of Jacob, and I want to take us through this over the next few weeks, and uh, Cody's going to be preaching next week on the long weekend, and uh, he's going to be adding a little bit to the series as well. And I'm going to go to the end of the story, to Exodus chapter 3, verse 3, where we've got Moses and and if you're familiar with the story of Moses, this is where he was called. And it says, and it reads, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight while the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, Moses called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The God of Jacob, this is the end of the story. And in a few weeks, we'll get to that. But this is where we get the name of our series from. And, and we're going to have a look at Jacob and why does God call himself, as well as God of Abraham, Isaac, why does he call himself the God of Jacob? We're going to jump in and take a look. But what we're going to see is the story of uh, a messy family a messy person uh, that did all sorts of things and had all sorts of ups and downs. And we're going to see what we can learn from that story for us today. In terms of the book of Genesis, you might be surprised uh, to know that the story of Jacob actually takes up basically half of the book of Genesis, starts in chapter 25 and finishes in chapter 50, where we see his funeral and burial so we're going to go on a journey uh, with a bunch of weird and wonderful characters in the story and see how God works through their humanity to bring about his plan for humanity. So let's have a look at where we're introduced to Jacob in Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. 
The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Interesting in here, the Lord said to her, uh, Rebecca was made a promise. The older would serve the younger, which is opposite to what the culture was at the time. And what's also interesting about this promise is it was made before the birth of the children. So it had the elevation of Jacob as the younger child has nothing to do with his uh, abilities, with what he had done in his life. It was done beforehand, and it's kind of a picture and a parallel to the grace that is extended to us through Jesus. We cannot do anything to earn that. It is given, uh, the gift of eternal life is given because of Jesus dying on the cross. There's nothing about what Jacob had done to earn and merit that reward. So we get that same grace extended to us, the forgiveness of sin and adoption into his family as heirs by grace and favour. In verse 24, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob, which means deceiver and supplanter. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Verse 27, the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter. More on that later. A man of the open country. While Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Thought about making jokes about how intense his personality was, but I won't make that joke. Verse 28, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. A key part of the story, Isaac... Loved Esau, Rebecca loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm so famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Deceiver, supplanter. To understand the story, we need to understand a little bit what birthright is, and it's the special privilege assigned to the firstborn son. It's the right of first inheritance, and according to this, the firstborn son would receive a double inheritance, double what any other son would get. So Jacob is saying, first, sell me your double inheritance. Verse 32, look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is this birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank. Then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Here's something I only saw for the first time last night. That might be a new story for you, uh, or you might be quite familiar with it. But in verse 27, the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. Verse 29, 
when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the Oaken country famished. Here we have Esau, a skilled hunter in his natural habitat, his familiar habitat of what he does day in, day out. And it only dawned on me last night, he's come back from hunting hungry. He's come back from the very thing that he was skilled and assigned to do in the family, and he's famished. He's come back unsuccessful. He's come back without any return for his effort. Now, I've never hunted. I've I've fished, but I've never gone hunting. Uh, But I get the idea when you go hunting that you, you catch things and maybe you eat some while you're on the hunting trip and you tend to bring home the rest for cooking or selling or sharing with friends and family. But Esau has been unsuccessful in the one area that he should have success. And what that means and, and what that led to is his failure led to famine. His failure led to him being famished. And his le- lack of success has driven him to make a decision he will regret. Esau was bold, but he was hungry. He had a bold personality, he was big and strong, and he gave up his inheritance for the sake of a meal. Because in his desperation of being unsuccessful, he made a quick decision. His strength became his weakness, and his stomach overrules his conscience. Often these decisions in our life that we can regret, they can come out of a situation of failure or perceived failure, when we're not feeling worthy, when we feel like we have tried and uh, attained for something and it doesn't come to pass, then often we might rush a decision for the next best thing that comes along straight after. I know I've rushed decisions, sometimes sacrifice the the short term for the long term, and I think we could all relate to that in some way. A lot of temptation or a lot of how our world works is about the short term instead of the long term and making that trade. Pleasures instead of discipline, buying on credit instead of from savings, being right and winning arguments instead of building relationship. Just a few small examples, trading the short term for the long term. And this led to Esau despising his birthright. To despise is to regard with contempt, distaste, disgust or or disdain, to scorn or to loathe. Why did he despise his birthright? Well, he had his fill. He had the meal. He had his taste of the other thing and he came to realise that all he got was a taste of regret. I mean, after all, it was just a lentil stew. That might be a taste of regret. He gave up his whole double inheritance for a bowl of lentil stew. But the aftertaste of his failure that before that, then his short-term thinking was to despise and to loathe. Before the meal, he was due a double inheritance, a double portion of the inheritance. After the meal, he came to despise and loathe the very thing that should have been a source of great blessing in his life. How quickly things can change with a decision. And my encouragement for you is if you feel like you're in that place or you've had uh, some of those moments in your life, there is hope. Stick with us over the next few weeks and I pray you'll be greatly encouraged as we dig into and explore the story of Jacob and his family 
and Esau a little bit more. Jumping on to Genesis 27 and continuing the story. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his oldest son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat, so I may give you my blessing before I die. So we had the birthright in chapter 25, and now we're talking about the blessing. Birthright specifies property and wealth passed from one generation to the other. That was already given to Jacob and is irrevocable. Isaac cannot undo that. The blessing focuses on future wealth and posterity, uh, most profoundly seen in receiving God's covenant blessings in a family. In verse 5, now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to his son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Remember, who does Isaac love? He loves Esau. Who does Rebekah love? Jacob. And Rebekah also remembers the promises that were made to her by God when these two boys were in her womb, that the younger, the older would serve the younger. I wondered too, in that time and in a family, it would be quite unusual to receive a word or a prophecy or something from God and to not tell your spouse to not tell the other half of the relationship. So I would think it highly unusual that Isaac did not know what that promise was. And here we've got Isaac telling Esau to go out so he can bless him because Esau is his favourite. And then Rebecca hears this, goes, well, God made me a promise. Jacob's my favourite. I've got to put a plan into action because time is of the essence. And the other thing uh, that would make you think it was reasonably widely known is it's in the Bible. So uh, at least culturally and in their family and it was passed down in tradition, uh, this story about uh, Jacob being promised to be the leader of the family. So did Isaac choose to put uh, that aside, that promise of blessing to which he preferred, to which man preferred in spite of God's promise? After all, the idea of the younger uh, being served by the older shouldn't be foreign to Isaac. He himself wasn't the first child of Abraham. He was just the first to his wife, Sarah. No wonder the family's a bit at odds and a bit uh, messed up. You've got one parent preferring one child and the other parent preferring the other child and the younger and the older and then the, the dad not acknowledging the promises that God made to the family and, and forgetting where he came from and, and what order that had happened and if that had happened to him, why couldn't it happen to his kids? It's all messy. It's unusual circumstances. And Rebecca and Jacob were each driven to take action. In verse 8, Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father. 
just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? It would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. He must have been pretty hairy. <laughs> if you need goat skins to disguise his, his skin. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? You're going on a trip for a few days and you've come back within a couple of hours. Not too quick here. The, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, like goatskins. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. And he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May, na may nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May the older serve the younger. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food. It's just going to make a great movie of like sibling rivalry and uh, all sorts of plots going on. I'm sure we've seen this sort of story in a modern day context uh, many times uh, in a movie. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. With his big and bold voice. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. The name Jacob, remember, 
one of the meanings is deceiver. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright. Now he's taken my blessing. He's taken my double inheritance. Now he's taken my future blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants and I've sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. And he probably didn't want to hear most of what came next. His father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Verse 41. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Not sure where that voice came from. It was completely inconsistent with the rest of the retelling of the story, but uh, just trying to add a little drama. The days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. These brothers don't get on. Not at all. Esau, we saw before, despised his birthright, the very thing that should have been a source of blessing to him, and now held a grudge against a member of his own family. Things aren't looking good in this family. Jacob took what was promised to him, but in his and his mum's, Rebecca's own way. In the process, continued to grow rifts in the family and break up relationships. God allowed it, but it still tore the the family further apart. Sometimes God allows things and situations, but often the way we do them and we take control of them is not the way that he intended I don't think he intended for Jacob to take the blessing deceitfully, but he also intended for the blessing to go to Jacob in the first place. And Isaac was not listening and had other plans, his own plans. So we've got a family at odds and making their own plans and God's trying to work his story through all of this. And God is faithful. He is a redeemer. In the midst of a divided family, God's plan starts to work out. We will see that over the coming weeks. He is faithful to his promise, the promise he made to Rebecca when the boys were in the womb, that the, the older will serve the younger, and there are two nations there. When it comes to God, a promise made is a promise kept. Even through all of the circumstances, and that's what gives us the title of today, a promise made is a promise kept. I'll ask the band to come up. See, you might feel like you're a Jacob and you might have done things your way and it might, be, might have affected relationships. Know that God redeems. Or maybe there's an Isaac in your world and you feel like the promises that were due to you that have been made have not eventuated because of a person or a, an Isaac being a situation or a circumstance getting in the way. And you might feel like those promises don't look like they're going to eventuate. You might feel like you have been missed. But no, if God has spoken a word, if He has made a promise, 
that the answer is coming. I've got here a number of promises from the Bible. I'm just going to read a few and I want you to catch one of them or a few of them and know that a promise made is a promise kept. Promise that God made to Rebecca about the children and the blessing going through Jacob eventuated. No matter what the father, what the family situation was looking like, that promise made did eventuate. It was kept. In Exodus 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. A promise made is a promise kept. Exodus 20, honour your father and mother so you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. A promise made is a promise kept. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. These are promises for us to grab a hold of. Isaiah 40, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. It's a promise. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So Isaiah 41, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I'm the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says, do not fear, I will help you. Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Isaiah 54, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord. A promise made is a promise kept. Isaiah 54, no weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication, declares the Lord. Promise made is a promise kept. If any of you lacks wisdom on how to take the right decisions and the right things in in the family situation, you've got Jacob and Esau, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. A promise made is a promise kept. I got pages of this stuff. If you don't like promises, this is the wrong message to be listening to. Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. A promise made is a promise kept. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. A promise made is a promise kept. There's more on there. If you're liking some of these, feel free to grab a piece of paper afterwards or I can send you the the link for the, uh, the printable version. Mark 11, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. If you are doubting in prayer, there's a promise for you. A promise made is a promise kept. Joshua 1 night, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If you're feeling abandoned in any situation, a promise made is a promise kept from Joshua. Philippians 4:19. If you're feeling in lack at the moment, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. If you're feeling under attack, 
Read Psalms, Psalm 18. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I've been saved from my enemies. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Promise made is a promise kept. There's lots of other good ones there. I'm not going to read them all. Psalms, Romans, Romans, Psalms, Philippians, Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. A promise made is a promise kept. If you have been passed over for a promotion, for recognition, know that God is faithful. Trust in God and His timing. Jesus says the first will be last and the last will be first. And the methods of the Kingdom of God might appear backwards and back to front. But God does things in a different order and His plan comes to eventuate. You've just got to stand and know that a promise made is a promise kept. We see this first and last uh, example in the very life of Jacob many years before Jesus came. It happened time and time again, the oldest serving the youngest, Jacob being elevated over Esau. Trust in God and His ways and He will promote in His time. Feel like that's a word for somebody. If you feel like you've been passed over in promotion or a work opportunity or a business opportunity, or somebody has climbed above you in some sort of position, He will promote in His time. Psalm 75, 7 is God who judges, He brings one down, He exalts another. Because when you get there, you want to know you've gone about it the right way. Jacob and Rebecca took things in. In, under control into their own hands Isaac was doing things Esau was doing things but you want to know you can stand on these promises and know that God is faithful to His promises if He makes a promise He will keep it much like a promise was made about Jacob's life before he was born uh, Jesus made a promise about our life He has promised us an inheritance as a child of God it's not by merit, like the very promise, as I said earlier, that was made to Jacob. It wasn't about merit. It is by promise in the act of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Whether you feel like a Jacob doing things your way or an Esau making rash decisions and losing the very things that should bring you joy, Jesus has open arms. He forgives. Unlike the relationship and context of Esau and Jacob, the good news of Jesus is that all are equal. It's not about the younger or the older serving the other and double inheritance. All are equal and have equal access to relationship. And that inheritance is a child of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Let's just close our eyes this morning as we come to finish. Spirit thank you Jesus for your promises thank you for the word of God promises written down to encourage to inspire to remind us to bring us back to your truth 
where there have been situations where joy has been stolen, opportunity has been stolen, where somebody has deceived, somebody has given up something through quick and rash decisions. Any of these situations represented, Holy Spirit, you come and bring peace right now. You are our comforter, our counsellor. You are faithful to restore. Thank you for your promises and your word. And I want to give an opportunity for anyone who is not in relationship with Jesus and wants to accept that forgiveness of sins either for the first time or as uh, done that before, but maybe had a bit of an Esau situation go on and made some decisions along the way and lost that joy, lost that source of blessing. I want to provide that opportunity to make a commitment this morning and just ask you if that's you and you want to make that commitment for the first time or a second time or a third or a fourth time, just to raise your hands nice and high this morning or if you're watching online to hit the uh, raise hand button and we'll ha- have somebody pray for you online or here, we'll, we'll pray together. If there's anybody here this morning, just to take that opportunity to make that commitment and that decision this morning. Just raise your hand nice and high this morning so I can acknowledge it and then you can put it down. Cool, let's pray this together. Jesus, I need you. I'm humbly calling out to you. I'm tired of doing things my way. Help me to start doing things your way. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Saviour. Fill the emptiness in me with your Holy Spirit and make me whole. Lord, help me to trust You. Help me to understand Your grace, mercy and peace. Amen. This week, go find the promises of God in the Bible and remember a promise made is a promise kept. I've even got a couple more pages I didn't get through for the sake of time. There's a few on the floor if you're happy to pick one up. Uh, But there's Bible reading plans. Just search promises and you'll, you'll find them if you don't know where to start. And I also encourage you to start reading the story of Jacob. Read along with us over the next few weeks. And looking forward to uh, Cody continuing our series uh, next week as well. Remember this week, a promise made is awesome. Thanks, Ash.